0: All right, I love being here because your pastor is like another son to me, and I love him with all of my heart, and we have conversation probably at least once a week, do we not? And I enjoy every minute of it, and I love you. You are a wonderful, wonderful people. One of the greatest interim I've enjoyed has been at this church, and thank you for the privilege of that and for the privilege of preaching this morning. Take your Bibles now, and if you will turn to Malachi, and all I told the pastor was I was going to preach from Malachi on giving. I didn't tell him how many verses. So just follow the ones I give you. All right. Three. Six. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. For you are, and notice this word, under a curse. If you're not a tither, you're under a curse a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe, notice it does not say tithe, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this, says the Lord God, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you will not have room enough to receive it. Several things I would have you to write down if you would this morning. Number one, and this is very, very important, you need to learn to think like a Christian. That is, you are to love God, love people, and use money, not love money, and use God and use people. There's a verse that is often misquoted. Many people say that the Bible says, money is the root of all evil. That's not what it says. It says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Pastor, I was reading this week, and it staggered me, that the scam artists are bringing in so much money right now that it will equal the budget of America. That is amazing. That is amazing. And someone says, I wish you would quit preaching on money. Well, i tell you what. They go on to say, I wish you would preach like Jesus. Well, if you want me to, you're going to really get tired of it. Because Jesus had more to say about money than he did about prayer, the second coming, heaven, hell, many other things. It was the number one subject Jesus dealt with. When I was in Leesburg, pastor there for 30 years, every year I preached six weeks in a row on giving. The first time I did it, we had 61 decisions of people coming into the church. And it was the most popular series we had every year because I preached on financial freedom and people would like to have financial freedom. All of you who enjoy financial freedom, wait a minute. How many of you would like to have financial bondage? Would you wait a me? But secondly... You need to learn to work like a Christian. I love work. How many of you love work? Wave at me. How many of you don't love it? Wave at me. I have loved it ever since I was a boy. When I was a teenager, I threw watermelons in Oxford every summer. I mean, they would told them to turn row. the truck would go up and down, and it was my responsibility to throw the melons up on the truck and someone catch it. And you did not stop. I'm talking about up and down, up and down, and I loved it. You know why? They were paying me to build up my muscles. Huh? And then later, when I was going to Stetson and needed to earn some money in the summer, I went to work for Seiko, which was REA. How many of you all remember it was REA? That old yeah. I was not a lineman. I was not a grunt. I was working in the swamps carrying right away for the lions. And we didn't have bucket trucks. we throw the ropes up, pull up, and cut. And I loved it because I learned how to become a tree surgeon. I've never had a job I did not love. And I believe as Christians, we ought to outlive, outlove, and outwork the pagan world. That's a great witness. And you know why a lot of people don't have jobs? Because they don't like to work. One fellow was asked, how many people are working for you? He said, about half of them. But then you need to learn to, thirdly, spend like a Christian. Keep me straight. (laughs) Spend like a Christian. The number one problem of real financial problems is people don't know how to spend. One of the greatest problems you can have is a credit card. Now, if you know how to use it, it's fine. I have several credit cards, but I want you to know I pay in full at the end of every month. I don't want to pay 20% plus on what I buy. But you won't believe, now not in this church, but the church is far, far away. There are people that owe twenty and thirty and forty thousand dollars on a credit card. There's a Greek word for that. Stupid. Stupid. But it is so easy to do it. And they do everything they can to get you to do it. And you won't believe the problem people are in because of that. And not on the credit cards, but you need to avoid envy buying. You like your house until your best friend gets a new house. Now all of a sudden you've got to have a new house. You like your car until your best friend gets a new car, now you get a new car. Now the best thing to do is paint your house, clean it up, and wash your car and use it. When I was in Zephyr Hills as pastor, that's the last time I made a car payment was in nineteen sixty seven. We needed two cars because my wife needed one. I needed one, but I let her have the car, and I got a bicycle. And I rode 12 miles to the hospital to visit. And you say, well, that's rough. No. I was staying in shape, didn't have to spend money on gas, and enjoyed doing it. My hearing, you know, when you're 86, your hearing's not too good. Yeah, my wife's something over here now. When I was on television, I drove them crazy, because I was all the way over here and all the way over here. They had to have two camera people to keep up. And then... Avoid emergency buying. That is, this event's coming up. If you know it's coming up, plan for it way in advance where you can get sales. Now, I love shopping. And I love sales. And I found out that down south, Dillard's has an outlet store. And this suit that would have cost $800, I do ever pay that for it, I got for $200. And the shirts, instead of 45 I get for $9. That is, you shop smart, and you end up in good shape. I want to hear an amen on that. Good. Thank you. And then, avoid emotional buying. I'm depressed. I think I'll go to the mall. At the end of the month, you're going to be really depressed. I was preaching on this one Sunday at our church, and a lady in our church the Saturday before, had been depressed and had spent $800 on clothes. She listened to the sermon and actually paid attention. Isn't that rare, Pastor? And so the next day, she went to the clothing store, took all her clothes back and said, all that she'd bought and said, I bought these clothes, and my pastor pointed out that I shouldn't have done it out of emotional movement. And I'd like there's nothing wrong with them, but I'd like to bring them back. And they took them back. And she now, because of her proper spending, is a millionaire. She learned. To spend a right. Then we need to learn to give like a Christian. Here, Malachi talks about tithing. And I want you to know that a tithe is 10% off the top. off the top. And someone said, well now, that's Old Testament, not New Testament. You haven't read the New Testament. Jesus said, these are what you have done, talking about justice and mercy, and not to leave the other undone. That is, you must not leave the tithing undone. And you're going to find Several things happen when you tithe. If you're not tithe before, first of all, you're going to be surprised at the joy you have from complete obedience. And I can tell you, Christians need joy. Have you ever stood here where I'm standing and looked at the congregation? I got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. It must be way down because it's sun on my faces. One of the greatest witnesses we can have is be a joyful Christian and let people know that when you're a joyful Christian, it's because you have a living, vital, obedient relationship to Jesus Christ. Secondly, you're going to be surprised at how God will meet all of your needs more effectively with nine-tenths than he did with ten-tenths. When I was very, very young in the ministry and I was in New Smyrna Beach, had a young couple accept Christ and they were on fire. They were radiant Christians. One Friday, the young man called me and said, Pastor, I'm getting ready to write my check to Jesus. But I want you to know if I write this check, I cannot buy groceries for my family. What should I do? Well, I was young in the faith and did not have the faith I ought to have. And I said, boy, you get groceries for your family. And he, a young Christian, said, nope. The Bible says God's going to take care of me. I'm going to write the check. It scared me to death. I was thinking about those kids hungry, family having no food. And he wrote the check. The next day, he called and said, Pastor, you will not believe what happened. He wasn't far off. Our next door neighbors were moving to Kentucky. And they came over, did not know that we even had a problem. And they said, we got a freezer full of food, and a an refrigerator full of food. And we can't move all this stuff, can you use it? And it was over 10 times the amount he could have bought with that check. And God taught me a lesson as a young preacher to never doubt God taking care of our needs. I knew it personally. Because my salary at that time was 3600 a year. That was total. With a wife and three kids. And you say, well, that was back in the dark ages. No, that was in a time when the guys at the cave were making $30,000 a year. But I want you to know there wasn't a time That we did not have our needs, not greeds, but our needs met. And that just reinforced what I had read in God's Word over and over and over again. Do you know why some people who profess Christ are in bad trouble financially all the time? Because they don't tithe. And the Bible says they're under a curse. And when they're under a curse, they're in trouble. You'll also be surprised at how God will go beyond your needs and bless you beyond your wildest imagination. I would have never have known, and I, even when I went to Leesburg, after 16 years of service, my salary was 25000 a year when I started. And yet God provided for me in such a way I was able to get a ranch over a period of time of 450 acres. Now, you can't tell me that I was that smart you had to tell me it was God's blessing. Amen? I'm sorry. Thank you. And at 86 years of age, it's been years since I've owed anything on anything. Because God has provided beyond your wildest imagination. Then, we need to talk about how we leave our money. How many of you consider Jesus the first love of your life? me see your hands real high. He's the first love of your life, okay. Now, if he is the first love of your life, should he be in your will? I'm not saying how much, but should he be in your will? I mean, you think he ought to be your, maybe not I thought about it, but you think he ought to be in your will. Wait a minute, rewind. Really, that's good, good, good. My wife and I made a commitment because God has blessed us so much, we're giving a tenth of our total ministry income in our will to God, a second tenth. If you had told me that we'd ever be able to leave a half a million dollars to work of Jesus, I would have said you've lost your mind. You say, well, "What about your kids? The kids are being taken care of, and taken care of well, because God has blessed." And someone says, "Well, now, where are you going to leave it?" Well, I tell you what, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to leave it to some television ministry. I'm for television. I was on television for thirty. But when we were on television, you know what I would do when I have one-to-one conversations with TV. I'd say, if you're thinking about sending your tithe to us, don't you do that. You give that to your church where it ought to go. We don't want your money. This is a gift from our church to you. I got so tired of preachers on TV begging for money. They need to trust the Lord. I mean, how do you believe that? To take care of their need. And therefore, my church, where I served, will receive that for his glory, not mine. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm not talking about the amount. It may be a whole lot smaller than what we're talking about. That's fine. That's not the point. The point is you have him in your will for something. How many of you would be willing to pray and ask God, not a preacher, not anyone, ask God what he wants you to do in regard to your will? Would you raise your hand? I'd be willing to ask God what he wants me to do. That's all I would ask. I can tell you this. This church does not waste money. And I'm proud for you not wasting money. Now, I've seen some that do. And you have too. But I love this church, like I love you. And you pray about it and ask God what he wants you to do. But there's something far more important than this. Far more important than giving your money to God. The question is... Have you given yourself to God? Every head bowed, please. Every eye closed. Every Christian praying. How many of you have already given yourself to Jesus, and if you died right now, you know where you would go to heaven? Would you raise your hands real, real high? Right? Praise God, praise God, praise God. Put your hand down. Is there anyone today? would say, I've thought about doing that, and I know I ought to, but I haven't done it yet, but I'm thinking about it. Would you raise your hand? I won't embarrass you, because I don't like to be embarrassed. I am thinking about it, but I haven't done it yet. Would you slip over your- here? Now, remember this. This is what happens when you become a Christian. All of your sins will be forgiven. All of them. And almost better than that, all of your sins will be forgotten. God will remember them no more. Not only that, but Jesus Christ will come and live inside of you enabling you to love and live as you've never loved and lived before. Now that you've become part of the greatest family on the face of this earth, family of God. And when you die, you go to heaven. How could anyone turn that down? If you've not yet received that would like to, would you raise your hand? You know I believe almost everyone here is a professed Christian. Second question I'd ask. Is there anyone here who is not yet a member of this great church? You've thought about it, but you're not yet a member. Would you step up your hand wherever you are? All right. Father, let us in this time of orientation make a first commitment to give anew ourselves and our possessions to you. In the name of Jesus, I mean, as we stand, as the pastor comes and stands, you.